Yeah, I have all kinds of fancy light things in my room for messing around with. Like, I have a little backlight thing, which is super fun. It just make your ears glow and, like, look Wait. all... It looks like it's going to have a more dramatic effect if you have other lights off and then just... Oh, yeah, on. for sure. What do you use it for, though? Uh, it just makes things more dramatic. I don't know. It just <laughs> looks fun. And then when I raise my hand, I can get all this kind of rim lighting oh, and stuff. Nice. And like it's very good. Effect. It just makes me feel like I'm an artist and I'm oh, being artsy. Oh. Do you like sometimes use yourself as a model to like take selfies or something of certain poses? And then I like did a lot when I was learning. When, when you're learning, it's great. Like there's a lot of time spent just like, oh, look at the way like muscles turn when I move things. I actually sometimes that. do that as well myself, not for drawing, but like just like it's kind of fascinating to look at the human body. And it's just like it's kind of weird when it's like, oh, this is a hand and it's like I can move it. And it's like. And sometimes it's really beautiful as well. If you look at the shapes of it and it's like, you know, the whole, I don't know anything much about fine art, but like, you know how they say, always mention things like, oh, the lining of the body or like oh, the curves or like, you know, the curvature of the the shape and the, of the figure. I don't know any of the practical yeah, words. Yeah, rhythm, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it's like how it accentuates the human body. And I think it's like, yeah, I think it's, some, I sometimes do that. I just kind of like, just look at my hand and just look at it. But I don't, yeah. I don't, I, I suck at drawing hands. I suck at it. That's, uh, that's a common issue that yeah. everyone has. They're very difficult. That's, it's, yeah. It's a lot of different things happening in very actually, intricate ways yeah you know how i was actually looking at I, I watched some of your videos and um i love i love like time lapse videos by the way it's just mm -hmm. so satisfying to watch especially if the artist is good like when i look at my time lapses it's just kind of like just lines being added and it's just lines in the end but like yours is like a lot of strokes all coming together to this like amazing real life like realistic piece of art and it was just really satisfying to watch but i saw a series uh where you were like kind of tackling different body parts and subject like elements that are usually really like a lot of people usually find very difficult to kind of nail and one of the things was like i, I watched hair I watched hair and I think I watched a bit of uh, like the, the muscles, I think. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was yeah. really fascinating. I, 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 think, I think you're a good teacher. Although like I Thank you. it's probably like a lot of practice needs to be uh, done before I can actually do, do any of these things. Teaching's uh, super fun just because it's, it's like really just puzzle solving on its most basic form. You're just like trying to solve puzzles in a way where you can then share the solution of the puzzle you solve and be like, oh. look, I understand how to solve this puzzle. Let me show everyone how great I am at solving puzzles. <laughs> Although I feel like it's one thing to know something very well and do something very well, very well and a completely different matter to be able to like succinctly like convey what you know to the other human beings you know i feel like For it's sure. like it's almost yeah. kind of like two different uh 
like realms of profession almost there is definitely an aspect of um like trying to be able to relate something universally i remember the first time i went into a classroom and i can't remember the exact topic i was teaching but i was started talking about something um in a way that made super crystal clear sense to me and I just saw everyone's eyes glazing over like they had no idea what I was talking about. Like it was just complete nonsense gibberish. And I was like, oh, no one gets the way my brain is like processing this one thing. So it makes you have to figure out like, okay, well, that, that didn't work. So I'll just figure out a new way to hopefully explain it to everyone. Yeah, like just baby it down as much as possible. Uh it's kind of like, yeah, it's just, I, I, I don't know. Like, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like language. Like, I, the reason I feel like I don't think would ever be able to teach well, well, I'm sure I could get better at it if I practice and practice and practice and have more experience. But the reason I find, I feel like I, I would find it so difficult is because it's almost like language, how it's almost second nature for you to speak a language, your first kind of your first mother tongue language. And yet when it comes to a time time where you have to kind of explain how the grammar works or like the 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 composition of sentences work, it's like you it's it's well like that's just the way it is. I don't know how to explain it further, you know? It's kind of like that, I feel like. There is a phenomenon. I think uh, there's an interesting thing in art where um, you have a visual library and that just means everything you've ever seen in your life. So everything in your visual library just means things you can identify. Like, you know, that's a tree, you know, that's like a, a rock and those are like little people, statues and like all these things. You identify them, you understand what they are um, without someone having to explain it. Um, and when it comes to like identifying even people, like relatives, neighbors, celebrities, whoever, uh, you'll have a very easy time. Like if uh, your favorite celebrity just like, you know, knocked on the door behind you and came through the door, um, you would instantly recognize them, even if you'd never seen them before. Like, yes. oh, look, it's Joji came through the door, you know, <laughs> whatever it might be. Um, but if you were, say, as given a sheet of paper and said, okay, like, obviously, you know, this person, you know what they look like, and you know, you know now draw them, replicate it, like show us what they look like you'll just be struggling you'll be like mm. i know what they look like but i don't know mm. is their nose this long are their eyes this far apart like just all these different things um that you technically know enough to easily recognize it because everyone's faces on like a larger scale are just so similar you know to an outside person but there's so many little minute changes and we can identify all of them but we can't actually usually recreate them in any sort of accurate way unless we've kind of built that up as a separate, you know, a skill, a separate kind of aspect of our visual library. Or unless you just trace over a picture of them, which yes, is like the shortcut that's, of it. That's not, the easiest not, shortcut. Not authentic at all. Yeah. It's like but for the record, even if you just chased over a picture, you would probably store way more information about like what they actually look like than just, you know, looking at pictures. There's something very active about having to trace it where your brain's just going to remember details more. 
You know, it's so funny how there seems to be like we can we can tackle this, we can come back to this uh other kind of elements a little bit later. But it's so funny how there are certain kind of um things in our lives that are almost kind of really parallel to one another. It's kind of um and one of the things that I just realized is that there's a term, I think, I'm pretty sure it's called like critical listening or attentive listening or whatever. It's kind of something along those lines in music making where it's like you have speakers on or you have your headphones on and it's not like your usual way of listening to music where you would be just chilling and I don't know, doing something else and just having the music play in the background. But it's, you sit there just to listen to what you're listening and um, it's usually kind of referenced for while you're making your own music so that you are actually hearing little bits and pieces that needs to be fixed. And so you have you have full 100% attention to the track that you're listening. And it seems like when you said, um, you know, it's one thing to kind of think you know what somebody looks like and another thing to really observe that person's attributes physical attributes and really analyze what what it is that makes them them you know mm -hmm. um how many faces do you think you've drawn so far in my life yeah oh, you know i actually that's a question that i actually think about a lot sometimes <laughs> and i guarantee you it's somewhere in the probably hundreds of thousands Oh, man. like a ridiculously high number like a super high number and i'm assuming they're all different faces right every face i mean just because of the the, the thing i like most about drawing faces like as a warm-up or whatever is that you're never gonna make it exactly the same way you know every time it's just little minute differences in everything and that usually means that everyone will have its just own little tiny personality that will kind of come out just even if you're just trying to draw like standard boring normal face just mm -hmm. over and over again um just because you know we're so attuned to facial intricacy that um it's just kind of exciting yeah oh man that hundreds of thousands like how does how does that work i think i've only drawn like line faces and line faces there's only so much variance to how line faces can work. It's just a circle and a few expressions. Angry, sad, happy, mm -hmm. But uh um, Yeah. It's not I, it's not that different. I mean, <laughs> I basically I can draw faces that are very similar, but like I said, it just subtle little, you know, things that are just affected by uh you know mood just the temperature whatever you know and they look like a little bit different and a little bit unique and um just fun that way how do you kind of select the figures that you are going to decide to draw like that you're gonna i am see i'm like the i'm the, I'm the worst person when it comes to actually pre-planning and stuff because mm -hmm. uh, i have a lot of weird philosophies about art like in a lot of ways I'm less interested in being an artist and more interested in being like some crazy art philosopher, design philosopher kind of person. Hell yeah. Um, so um, for me, I don't really do much work where I plan anything out. It's more so just 
make start a shape and then be like mm, it feels like you know this shape will be the next like uh logical you know way to build it out and you know just kind of approach it all in this sequential uh, mysterious way oh wait so all these faces you're drawing you're just kind of making them up not based yeah. on oh okay. i mean I, I do i do tons i've in my life i've drawn definitely drawn you know thousands of actual faces based on reference but mm. the vast majority when you just say how many faces have you drawn it's just you know from oh, imaginative yeah just because you... i find it very fun yeah yes do you ever do you have you ever had like an instance i'm just genuinely curious if you have if you've had an instance where you 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 have all this experience in drawing and making up different faces and you came across a person who actually looks like somebody who you think you've drawn before? Um, like a doppelganger of your, kind of. of your drawings? There's, there's definitely, like, I guess people, people will say I have a style. Like, I didn't really realize how strong a style I had until everyone started saying, oh, that's your style. And I started realizing things. Um, yeah, sometimes I'll see people that are certainly more kind of falling into my my cliche style of faces um what is it what's but, your what's your style uh it's tricky to fully sum up because i don't know it has something to do with like just the line energy and angular kind of nature of things but generally it's a lot of eyes that are maybe slightly wider yeah. apart yeah. and just okay. weird like kind of more accentuated noses and usually taller foreheads and I don't know there's a lot of minor just things that seem to come up often um what I what I actually think is more interesting in some ways is like occasionally you'll see a person in real life that doesn't look like anything you've quite seen or drawn before and that's so super exciting in some ways to just see someone that's like i've never seen anyone that quite you just kind of get excited i guess it's weird sorry um, i, I think i just had concerned. like a cut of like a bit of a glitch in the in the connection but yes i i caught every single word oh, you said okay um yeah. it's kind of like i don't oh okay it's like um you know when you see models they're like models that are like pretty models like super pretty like oh she's beautiful like she's a she looks like a she looks like aphrodite or whatever or he looks <laughs> like a he looks like a, a god like he, he's like like people like <laughs> people like that 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 person that actor who played superman like henry cavill or something Cavill, yeah Cavill, like Henry Cavill, like people like him, or like people like, uh, like Shirley's Theron, like those. People, <laughs> I want to say like they're like pretty, but like they're beautiful. Like it's a beautiful, like oh Shirley's Theron, like man, beautiful, like beauty itself. But I, I don't know, maybe I'm just uh biased here. <laughs> but <laughs> but there's also like people like there are certain like models usually models who have like this really very unique 
facial structure and like body structure that are that are almost sometimes quite like not like any other people that you've seen in your life just like yeah. just like really animated features and i've never actually personally seen them seeing any of these people in real life but i've seen kind of pictures of them uh and uh it's kind of fascinating i wonder what it's like to just kind of live with a facial feature that's that's really different from like what people yeah. are used to seeing I, I feel like i've probably seen like a handful of people in my life that would you know look like they're you know runway models or something mm. and like you when when you see them you're actually like whoa like their face is super like intriguing and super interesting and like it's just kind of captivating um and yeah there's an interesting thing that at least i realized early on like as soon as i started getting into art like suddenly after not too long after you kind of start drawing a while like you suddenly get extremely bored of like traditional pretty people and like mm. traditional like very symmetrical structured faces that yeah, the fall into ratio the and all yeah it just becomes so boring to draw mm. and to just you know look at and you start like seeing someone with like you know weirdly crooked nose and like all these sweet and you're like whoa Ooh, I want to draw that guy. That guy is super interesting looking. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of appreciation. Like personally, I know myself, like I have a, I have a face that's like very like out and in, like I got a tall nose, like, you know, everything's kind of always moving. And when I see like, uh, you know, like a girl or something and they have an extremely like flat face, just, you know, like really flat, just like ex way beyond anything um i'm just like amazed like to me i'm just like that is the most like amazing like pretty thing i have ever seen wait and like is, all of that stuff wait hold on what is a flat okay i need to i need to get to the bottom of this what is a flat face i've never seen a flat face in my entire life what is what do you mean you've never seen a flat face like <laughs> usually okay usually um like i i don't know there's some famous like there's I know there's specifically one like famous Chinese supermodel that's kind of famous for having okay. an extremely flat face mm. where it's like um but there's usually like just there's like instead of like the eyes are very much like you know flattened like eye socket wise so they're not you know things yeah. aren't sunken in but also yeah, the I jaw is usually a bit of an underbite so their jaw usually comes forward more and it's just like all the features that usually get exaggerated one way or the other they're like counter to that so like everything just winds up being like it's extremely like in a flat line when you see them from the side i think i i think i get what you mean now i think there's a big because you mentioned that she was a she was a chinese uh person and i think there might be yeah, there's, a a, there's a very famous one yeah yeah wait hold on uh actually i might have seen her i don't know uh wait what was i gonna say <laughs> sorry uh, <laughs> it's okay uh yeah, I think there's a big kind of racial element that plays a role in that as well. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, because like, obviously uh, coming from like a European, we you know we have the very tall nose for you know, mm -hmm. cold air, you know, like all these different things, and like the more sunken eyes, and like the features kind of change. Whereas if you're in a like a very hot environment, you tend to have like a more like flatter nose, more kind of widened out to kind of just interact with the in environment and the atmosphere differently. 
Hmm. Um, so obviously you grew up in like, uh, you know, boring, like all my relatives were like from Ireland and everything. So you grow up with a bunch of Irish people and everyone kind of has similar features. And then when you finally get out in the world and you start seeing different features, it's just like, whoa, like that's super just kind of, it's, it's just fun. It's different. It's unique to see. And you yeah. find yourself kind of super uh, like interested in drawing it. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I think that's, that, that really is the, it's like, that's beauty. Just kind of like, it's, it's a subject. It's not, you know, maybe we could have a whole discussion about what beauty is, but it's just like in Korea, there are, and I'm sure a lot of the, a lot of countries have their own kind of set of uh, beauty standards that, obviously change over the course of time uh but there's a there's always this kind of one set of standards that are prevalent in an era that represents beauty in that society and growing up in korea we definitely had we've definitely had our own sets it's like you know i i grew up listening to and you know, watching celeb korean celeb celebrities and um figures like public figures having certain features that are deemed as beautiful and pretty and and just you know praiseworthy and these features yeah. are these features are strangely most of the time very kind of westernized you know like try to have you know have as deep of a of a of your eyes eye sockets as possible like it, it <laughs> like the deeper it's better like and the higher the nose the better and like the more uh the more contours that you have on your face the better and it's kind of almost like it's it's a it's very um it's it's contrary to what a lot of koreans usually you know on the contrary to a lot of the the standard asian feature mm. you know yeah like there's it's get, funny because I, like you're talking about you know how it's mostly i think a lot of that is just you know the the love like the grass is always greener kind of vibe like oh like we all have a certain look but that person has a different look so we're kind of just more intrigued by that so everyone's kind of seeking things from you know other cultures and all sorts of stuff like that there are a couple of things um like things that people look for um that are it's very funny when you didn't even know like it was a thing people looked for and it's just not even programmed into your brain um which the reason i bring it up is because it kind of shows that like certain elements of this beauty stuff like unless they're programmed into you early on like you don't even recognize them uh the big thing like i've been to uh china's you know i've traveled there like on trips before um but like they have this uh it maybe it's in korea too but this obsession with the idea of like big faces and small faces oh my gosh that's such a big thing and i like growing up like i had ne i've never yeah. heard anyone ever mention that in any capacity my entire life so like it was so strange because people would be like you know you'd talk to someone and be like oh i can't be so like my face is too big and you're like what what is that like what does it mean because to me I, I don't see that as like any kind of determining factor mm -hmm. on what they look like 
So I'm like, what do you mean? What, what's, what's wrong with your face? <laughs> and they're just like, no, it's, it's big. So it's not pretty. And I'm like, uh, okay. Like, I mean, I don't see that, but okay, sure. <laughs> it's, that's such a big thing in Korea as well. Like, if you think about it, it's so strange. Like, it's so strange. I think a lot of it has to do with the proportion. So like the overall proportion of your body and your, your face when looked from a distance it's like it has to be at a certain kind of ratio. When your head is too big, I'm presumably it's just kind of messes up the ratio, and that therefore <laughs> not not beautiful. Um, I, I just as you talk, then I'm just looking at the little the little blue person in the background, <laughs> and they look so grumpy about their large face. And their... I mean, it's like, yeah, I yeah, that's actually a part of the whole beauty standards that I never really understood. Um, but I, yeah. I have, yeah, I can, I can relate to that for sure. Yeah. Cause there are certain aspects of just obviously symmetry is the most universal, like, Oh, a more symmetrical face is mm. deemed pretty because it's healthy and you know, blah, 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 all this genetic stuff. But like, yeah, the big face thing, like it, it must not be programmed into any level of our like animal <laughs> kind of side of things because like, I can't honestly process like it being attractive or not attractive in one way or the other no not at all also like unless and like you said unless your one's face head is so disproportionately big <laughs> you just oh my gosh it's like it looks you look like a caricature or something <laughs> i don't think it's something that we can notice unless we like really really analyze someone yeah it's, it's, I always uh, find it very amusing to anytime I've ever had to take a selfie uh, with any, any girl or person that's from like uh, an Asian country. It's, it's a big deal. Like whose face is closer to the, oh, yeah. to the selfie. It's always like, yeah. no, put your head up there. I'm going to be back here. You put your face close to the camera. My face will be back here. Just so their face looks smaller. Because anytime no, it's side by side, they're like, your face is too small. I can't take a picture with you. Put your face up there. Get right up here. You know, we bit about, of, uh, about Korean culture, it seems. I mean, like maybe Asian culture in general. But yeah, that's also a big thing as well. It's like, I mean, I don't, I don't like, it's like if your head is bigger because your head is closer to the camera, then obviously it should be evident in the picture that you're just closer to the camera. Yeah, not they're they're very... It's like a conscious, like, insecurity that, about, like, how close their face is to the camera. Yeah, it's a, apparently it's like a, it's like a, like a gesture of, of, it's like a gentleman gesture for a couple to, like, for the male to be in the, in the <laughs> forefront. Of the... I love it. I love this stuff. Super... I don't understand it. I don't understand. Great. But I don't, I don't give a damn about whether or not my face is closer or your face is closer. But yeah, that's another one. Like big head, small head. You know, another... We'll see how much you care if I start leaning farther back and now your face is going to be bigger in the side by side. At the end of, <laughs> the, end of the chat, I'm just going to be st standing right in front of the... Yeah, we're just, it's going to be an arms race. <laughs> you know, another thing about like the difference between beauty standards because this is so interesting um there's this obsession with white 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 
like flawless snow white skin mm-hmm. in Korea. And like we have loads of beauty products that are just targeted towards making your skin brighter and whiter and like really white. You know, I, I'm talking about like pale white, like Twilight Edward white. Yeah. Like white, white. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that, okay. I, I've just always found it so fascinating because in the Western realm, it's all about you know, olive skin and like healthy tan skin, you know? I felt so betrayed when I was a kid. Well, no, when I grew up, because when I was a kid, I felt so insecure, so horrible about um, just, you know, being Irish and having the palest, pale skin ever. (laughs) And it was such a source of constant like insecurity and just miserableness all throughout my childhood. Um, like I would remember constantly, like I'm just gonna go sit outside and burn because I can't stand how white I am. All the other kids are making fun of me. You play like uh, basketball shirts versus skins, and you'll take your shirt off, and everyone will be like, ah, and and then they'll be like, you know, making like the joke, like, come on, you're supposed to take your shirt off. You're still wearing your white shirt, or you know, whatever, because it's so pale. And then it just gave me such a uh, like a huge insecurity growing up. And then it wasn't, I guess, maybe, 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 maybe an Asian girl with a large face can relate to this. But then when I finally met someone uh, like from a different culture and suddenly like I just didn't even feel bad about it because it wasn't built into their like, oh, yeah. like, oh, it's so white. So, so weird. Like they were just kind of like, oh, look how white you are. That's fun. And I'm like, really? I'm like, you don't find it super annoying or weird? And they're like, yes. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a, I mean, why? Ugh, like, uh, I mean, I feel like everybody who, who is going to make fun of somebody's look, if they're going to make fun of somebody's look, they're always probably going to find something to pick on. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But it's, I'm just curious, was it like when you were growing up and had this big insecurity with, your skin color was it about was it because you were kind of teased with because of it or was it because of you think because you were comparing yourself maybe to somebody that you looked up to or somebody that you deemed beautiful as or was it something that it's it's kind of a double thing because i think it was very much instilled in like just our society you know in general all the kind of figures that you see everywhere you know it's it's a strong value on that very tan skin Mm. um so then the kids pick up on that and then they're like ah look at them they don't have the tan skin so you know we can we can pick on them for that and stuff like that um so it's it's like a combination of the the cultural side of things which leads into the like bullying side of things more so um, but yeah, I used to try, I used to try everything. I used to use like the fake tan bronzers, all that stuff, always trying to get more tan than I could. I feel like those things were, I've never tried them myself, but I feel like those things are going to get everywhere. Am I right? It, like, do they get everywhere? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's horrible. Like, uh, I remember 
I don't know. I was like a kid or something. I think my sister, because she was a couple years older, so she I got some because, of course, she also was like, oh, I'm so pale. No one likes, you know, pale skin. So I got to get more tan. So she had brought, she had bought some like, you know, fake tanner cream, whatever. And I remember just going, like sneaking in and being like into her bathroom, being like, I'm going to get tan too. And like putting it on. And then just like, I forget going about my daily thing. And then I like went to bed or something. You wake up and you're bed and orange and like every towel you've touched is like orange and your oh. your parents are just like what have you done <laughs> made a giant mess oh. oh what else what else have you tried have you tried like uh one of those like laser uv tan things no um i'm pretty sure uh yeah i remember my sister having like a membership to like a tanning salon you know where you go and lay in the uv bed and everything Never um, done that myself. Like, I, I wouldn't imagine it's that popular in <laughs> tanning beds. Uh, probably Maybe. not as much as it is in the Western um, Hemisphere, probably. But people do do it. Um, hmm. People do do it, but still very much obsessed with white, snow white skin. Um, yeah. Yeah, I couldn't care less. I couldn't care less about. Like, blemishes, that's another matter because, like, if you get... Like if you get acne or if you get pimples that just pop out, it's just just it's just intrusive and you don't like it. You don't like how it That's looks. True. But like yeah. skin color, not so I don't think it's so much. I think I do agree that you can kind of like style wise, fashion wise, you can you can wear things that complement your skin. Um and like Oh yeah. For sure. I don't know too much about fashion myself, but I'm assuming if you've got, like, if you got kind of more tanned toned skin, it would be better if you wear more, like, whiter, kind of brighter tones clothes. And if yeah. you've got more, if you're more leaning towards, like, whiter side, then it might be better if you wear darker. Or maybe yeah, in general... In general, the idea is that if you have really white skin, you just want to avoid like pale, desaturated tones and earthy tones and things like that, because then it'll just make you look extra like washed out and pale. And usually you can get away with like strong, saturated, dark colors, things of that sort. Mm, okay. This okay. Is... <laughs> <laughs> All kinds of good uh, fashion tips and... <laughs> Not not too professional at all. It's it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was uh this is uh for the record, this is very like serendipitous to even get to talk to you and be on this thing. I think I mentioned in the email where I'd like I saw I saw your channel and everything. And then when I saw the little thing it said overthinker society. Like, I initially, right away, all I said to myself was, ha, that sounds like me. I'm the overthinker. And then it was literally that day after I saw it, where I got, like, a little message that was like, hey, oh, do you nice. want to do it? I'm like, what? That is so, that is so weird. That is, like, the most surreal, like, um, like weird coincidence that I've, like, experienced and things like that. It's meant to be. It's meant to be I, overthinking. I was, overthinking I, yeah, I grew up together. Yeah, I grew up as a child, and I have like the biggest case of just overanalyzing, overthinking, uh, hyper, hyper insomnia as a child. So I grew up 
all throughout, basically from like at the time I was like eight years old onward, all my teenage years, all of those preteen years, just never can sleep at night, just hyper um, observational, overthinking everything. I'm one of those people who I, I know it's going to like uh, upset some people just to hear it because it's going to make them realize it. But when you, when I used to lie in bed at night, all I would do is like, I could almost feel all the atoms in my body almost tingling. But the most thing is that you feel your little, your little pinky toe just slightly touching the toe next to it. Oh, man. And it's like, yeah, it's not, not on your finger, but you know, on your feet, you feel it on your feet, your little toe just touching the toe next to it. Well, now it, I know, now <laughs> I can feel it. It drives you insane. Like I used to just not be able to sleep and I'd just be start overanalyzing and thinking about stuff. I would start processing, you know, the secrets of the universe, all these existential questions and just kind of going over anything and everything because I would just be lying there miserable because my toes are touching and I can't do anything about it. I would, I would literally, as like a nine-year-old, I'd be going around like putting little pieces of tape around my toe to hopefully like separate them. So they're not touching. You are pro. <laughs> it, that didn't help at all. It was, it was just something about your being hyper stimulated mentally where it didn't, it wasn't so much the factor of the toes. That was just the side effect of being like hyper kind of stimulated. Oh, I don't think I've ever, I think, I think I'm going to feel, I'm going to feel so bad if you lie in bed tonight and you feel your toes touching. I think I will. Unfortunately, I think I will. I mean, I'm kind of feeling it now, which is so weird. I don't know. I don't, it's, it's not something that I can unhear. So, I mean, it's too late, I guess. Um, but thanks for the reminder. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've ruined your life. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I was actually curious because I've, I'm actually a, a slightly different case where I was never, ever really growing up, never really conscious of, of my overthinking tendencies. I think I've always been an overthinker all my life. It's just that it's, it's only been a recent realization that it, this is what it's called. Overthinking is what this is called. My thought process is called, um, and like growing up, it was always like, I've kind of considered it as a just daydreaming and just being really self-reserved and just internalizing, just, just internal dialogues all time, yeah. at all times. Yeah. And um, I forgot what I was getting to, but what was your puberty like? I know this is such a random question, but I... <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, because I my puberty kind of years like kind of like mid teen teen years like early mid teen years was i think was the peak of of like the craziness of mm. overthinking because like that's the i feel like that's the time where like your hormone hormones are going crazy and then you start to like develop different like imaginations i think my overthinking nowadays it's it's more leaning towards the realistic side and now i'm kind of thinking more practically about human feelings that i'm feeling and now i'm able to kind of diagnose what different feelings are are like albeit very limited um but like growing up it was like very imaginative and very 
almost like dreamlike and fictional. And I spend a good, good portion of my, of these like puberty years just worrying about things that would never, ever happen. I mean, never, ever, like, I don't know, but most likely not. And things like Earth, like crumbling down to pieces and like invasion and yeah i relate i relate entirely yeah no i yeah no that makes perfect sense to me like that's the same experience i had i would say throughout like getting older going through puberty and stuff like i don't know if that was like directly related because it feels like regardless of that it was just a slow kind of ramp up into becoming more and more like um just like overthinking things as i got older and older so i'm not sure maybe it's tied to that um I can tell you just one random observation. Uh, usually people that eat, eat more or conversely eat less tend to go through puberty like much earlier or much later in their life. And I was like someone, I was a kid that like hated food because my mom's an Irish, you know, cook. So Irish <laughs> people have literally the worst food culture in the whole world. Okay. Um, and I just hated food so much, but uh, so I didn't eat. So I didn't really like, hit any kind of growth spurt until I was like practically uh, like 17 like a senior in high school like during my senior year from junior year I went from being like five foot one to six foot one just like a crazy late you know like growth spurt when you're like 18 years old mm. um so yeah it's, it's kind of weird in that around fashion, the time but... you get the taste of fast food and that's when all just all the <laughs> hormones are just going crazy yeah like, oh man, it's so, it's so weird to grow up in that like Irish food sensibility culture because I, I honestly thought that like meat was like just the worst tasting thing and fish and all these things that I absolutely love now. I thought they were just disgusting because the only way I had ever experienced fish was just my mom just overcooking it and puts oh, like mom. sprinkling some lemon on it and it oh. just tasted like so dry. And same thing goes for me. It's, she grew up in a, you know, the Irish lineage. So uh, her parents taught her that, like, you just overcook meat until it's dry and then it's healthy. So everything's just, you know, until it's like dry and chewy. <laughs> it's like, it's no longer it's, meat. It's just jerky. Yeah. It, and it was, it was a horrible way to experience food. Oh, no. But now I love food. Food is like my favorite thing now later in life that I've experienced good food. Did you know that there's more seasonings than just salt and pepper? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I didn't learn that until actually, I was like 20. Actually, I, my answer is yes, I know, but <laughs> no, as in I've never really used anything other than salt and pepper. I'm a terrible cook. I'm terrible at it. Oh, no. Uh, we do you at least like to go out to eat? I love, yeah. I mean, Korea has, has like the opposite. It's probably the opposite from ireland yeah like korean, korean food culture is like amazing it's i i would i would i dare say it's the best in the world i mean it's not because i'm korean just because from I, my... I will not as a as an objective observer i will not dispute that i think i would put like japan china and korea somewhere in the top but a lot of times i do put korea at the top yeah I think China has a lot, has a very particular food culture. It's, it's yeah. got a very Chinese kind of flavor to it, uh, pun intended. 
and <laughs> and uh, and but Korea, I would say the beauty of Korean food culture is that yes, Korean food in and of itself is amazing, but also we have access to like pretty much all the foods in the world in its best form, like yeah. like pizza. Yep, here, uh, pizza, spaghetti, uh, like Mexican food, Korean food, obviously, J- Japanese food, Chinese food. It's, it's all here. It's all down to a phone call or a little visit downtown and then just order it. It's, it's great. Food culture. Yeah, I'm obsessed with like Korean style, like jajamyeon. Oh, like yeah. that is, that is like my, one of my top five we're, we're top five in the world dishes of just, yep. and I've, I'm one of those people that I'm actively always searching out different restaurants to try, just to try their jajamyeon and see which restaurant has the best jajamyeon. It's, it's different. It's every Chinese, Korean Chinese restaurants have different flavor. Like it's, it's slightly, ever so slightly different, but it makes a big difference. Yeah. For the record, if anyone lives in Southern California, the best one I found is at the food court in the H Mart in Diamond Bar. Um, the H Mart's a Korean supermarket. I know what H Mart is actually. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I know what H Mart is. In the food court, they have a little place that sells jajamyeon, and it is the best one I found. I've tried it at fancy restaurants, and it doesn't compete with this one. It's so strange, actually, that I know H Mart because. I actually, my dream once was to live in Orange County. So Mm -hmm. there was a period where I was obsessed with that region. So I would just like, this is sad, but I never actually got to visit Orange County nor anywhere else in California. But I would like go on Google Maps and like explore on like street views and like imagine myself having food or like shopping at H Mart. Uh, <laughs> it, it is like honestly there's so many that i'm sad you know with all the covid stuff because one of my favorite things used to just be to go out there and just not even have, have anything planned and just like drive around and try random restaurants and try random things you know just go to random places and you'd always find new interesting things Mukbang. like i'm the type of Mukbang yeah or is a real thing it's a real yeah. thing yeah, I'm the type of person who will legit go to two restaurants back to back. Like if I have, you know, like I want this thing from this restaurant and I want that thing from that restaurant and I'll just go to both of them back to back. But the, the real question is, are you one of those people who just eat small portions of the both or do you have to, you must finish both dishes? Or I more than my best. I am a. I am not as strong of an eater as some people, but I, I try. I try my best. Yeah, I, I've always like tried to nail down what my dietary preference is, but I never was able to because it's always changing. And like I, I at one in one moment I think that oh I'm one of those people who's like quality over quantity. And then hmm. I turn around and I see chocolate. It's like quantity over quality. It's like <laughs> the more chocolate that I can push down to my throat, push down my throat, the better. Are you a dark chocolate person or a milk chocolate person? Definitely milk. I mean, oh. it depends because there are different variations of dark chocolate, though. 
you, you um, don't gotta you don't gotta justify it i i 100 like a more you know milky chocolate than a dark chocolate i mean the the thing is chocolate is so particular depending on the brand and the makers that it's not even about it being whether or not it's milk or dark or white or pink or whatever but it's about like the the ingredient like other other fine ingredients that they put in it you know mm. uh, yeah i i personally love the taste of i think if i had to choose like my ultimate standards for good tasting chocolate it would be lint is it like it's a yes no i i agree 100 percent. i like they're little truffles yeah, the yeah, yeah, lint yeah. Truffles. like the little ball thingies they do have yeah, different okay. variations. We are we are so on board with each other. I don't think you can fully appreciate it, but yes, a hundred percent lint truffles. Yes, that is my absolute favorite chocolate thing. Maybe all overthinkers have like the same taste buds I and like don't know. <laughs> maybe we're I like, doubt it. we're we're a sapien no, of our You're own really world. I can tell you you really are upsetting us a big group of your audience right now that loves hyper bitter super 90% dark chocolate. I mean, I do I don't personally understand like their why they would love chocolate that's not sweet, but yeah, good. Don't don't placate to them. It's fine. Just lose them. <laughs> Move on. You're fine. You you can have the rest of your audience. No, no, no. <laughs> but I do I do love dark chocolate to a certain level. Not like ninety nine point nine percent dark chocolate, which is like just basically the just this, hyper bitter. It's, yeah, yeah. Just cacao. The like the cacao yeah. bean itself. But like I do like it when it it's got that kind of hint of bitterness to it. That just adds a bit of like flavor and a bit of punch to it um yeah. and sea salt as well man sea salt is great with chocolate oh yeah um oh man you once this once everything's better and the the world is a wonderful place you should come to orange county i'll host you and we can go on a food trip around all of orange county i i need like probably la is probably la and los angeles i mean los angeles is la uh, and the California region is probably the first place that I'm gonna go after this thing is over, this COVID thing is over, because you know that's where my management is based, and yeah, um, like, and I've always wanted to visit California as well. It's kind of like my dream place. Um, I thrive in warm weather. I just, I, I love. I don't actually. I hate the sun. I hate the sun. <laughs> I hate the sun, but I love like clear blue sky which is yeah. kind of like it's kind of make it makes no sense because they both go hand in hand like without yeah. makes sense to me i understand <laughs> nothing better than being like in the shade on a nice sunny day exactly exactly there needs to be a shade i think maybe this is a korean thing um that's just kind of inherent in me but i'm kind of obsessed like a bit paranoid about like uv lights and stuff yeah, um, don't. We'll get you one of those like big UV visors that you can walk around. Like you always see all the all the yeah. older Korean ladies walking around, you know, LA and everything. And you can expect me to wear sunscreen like Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> on her. On yeah, just all zinc, pure just zinc, <laughs> pure zinc, just pure white zinc, just covering up my whole feature. 
Um, well, that's that's expected of me. Uh, yeah. But yeah, food is great. Food is great, and I I use food as a coping mechanism to numb my <laughs> feelings and the <laughs> you know you know how people some people drink to forget some people turn to drugs other methods to forget about things that yeah. are going on mine is food uh yeah i'm not going to deny it <laughs> i use food as a coping mechanism i try not to um it's a it's a bad habit i'm trying to get rid of but yeah uh, no it's i don't know it doesn't necessarily have to be a horrible habit like obviously over you know, like if it's unhealthy but a lot of times, like, if I just have, like, a, a rough day or just something doesn't go right, I'll just be like, you know what, I'm just going to go out and get, like, something I really like, you know, for, for dinner or for whatever. Um, I, I think it was last week I had a, or the week before, I had to do a little presentation online for Lightbox, which is a big art convention. Mm. And uh, since it was online this year, and I, like, halfway through my presentation, have, like, you know, a thousand people watching from you know that that are all industry people and then my like computer breaks down and dies and i'm oh, just like no. oh and then like i get it back working and then my internet goes down and i'm like no oh, no and i was just so bummed out but i was like you know what i'm just gonna like get in my car i'm gonna go drive out and get like a like a clyde's super spicy hot chicken sandwich and i know that it'll just be awesome and then i'll feel better about everything Go get myself like a lavender milk tea from place, like yeah, all this stuff, and then I'll be like, "There, I'll be good." I think though there is a is a bit of a difference between treating yourself because it seems like that, which is what you did last week after the the breakdown, little breakdown <laughs> of, the, of the meetings. It's like I think it's 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 very actually healthy to give yourself a little pat in the back and you know, say, it's okay. I'll treat myself. You've done your best with some good food and a little bit of a extra thing that you usually wouldn't have normally. But another yeah. thing probably, which is more so my case of using food as a coping mechanism, which is <laughs> it's stuffing, just stuffing it. <laughs> just, and it's not <laughs> even about, it's not even about it's not even about the quality of the food. And now we're turning towards more towards the quantity where it's like, stuff it down until I can't think no more. <laughs> like, I can't think because all the blood from my head is now rushed to my, my um, stomach yeah. trying to digest. Sounds like a great strategy. <laughs> I imagine it feels really bad, like a little bit later. Really though. Bad. Feels really yeah. bad. And oh man. Like food coma is like, is a real thing. Uh, doesn't feel good. It's like it, it's, and you have a hangover the next day as well. Like you get hangover, yeah. uh, yeah. physical hangover, but also mental hangover that you just, just like bombarded your body with this food that you don't need. Uh, Speaking of which, that's a very, like the thing I associate that most with is Korean barbecue all you can eat culture oh, where it's just yeah all you can eat Korean barbecue and I always just eat until I'm like you know basically like sweating meat and just like I'm not eat anymore and then feel horrible the next day it's designed to make you 
lose control. It's designed that way. You expect yourself to lose control when you go to an all-you-can-eat buffet or an all-you-can-eat Korean barbecue. You can't. Yeah. You're not going there with the same mind. You're going there to go crazy tonight. Like you're going there to come out with a ten-month pregnant. <laughs> That's the yeah. aim. Uh, I used to I used to go to one that had all you can eat like froyo and they had pineapple flavored frozen yogurt and that was part of the all you can eat and I would just be like even when I was stuffed with meat I'd just be like no I just need another cup of frozen yogurt it's so good. Yep, that sounds like me every day with my <laughs> fridge. Do you like are you a social eater? Do you think of eating as a social activity? Uh, yeah, to some extent, like it's not an integral part of it, but yeah, I like I like that aspect of it. Because mm. I, I, I think it's very particular with eating, but it might be the same with other areas in my life. But I usually can't focus on like two activities at once so i can't eat and like talk to people at the same time if i do then either one of them i'm not going to be putting my 100% in it's just going to be either me just focused too much on the food that i don't even know what i'm saying i'm just saying gibberish i'm just saying whatever that's just coming out of my mouth or i'm too focused on the conversation that i don't know what's going into my mouth you know uh, yeah, I relate this back to art a lot because I even made a video on focus, but I consider focus to be a very important kind of thing to understand about yourself as, mm. you know, like an artist or creative or anything. Mm. Um, to get into some of my like nonsense, weird theories and whatever, I like to consider that uh, instead of just like, you know, the five basic senses, like hearing, smelling, seeing all that stuff. I really consider like your inward perception of your own thoughts to mm. be like your another sense that's integral to making up everything that's going on. Um, so in some ways, yes. like when you fall asleep at night and you're dreaming, that's just because you can't, all of your other senses are dulled and like a blind person, like the only sense that's actually really still active at times is just that inward, you know, kind of sense with no context of reality and the external senses. Um, so in a lot of ways, like I kind of see it like that and for art, it's kind of important to always be looking for the right level of focus, um, because you kind of need to, uh, it's kind of, this gets into a whole slew of other theories and things, no, but it's all right. Go um, for it. Okay. Let's go. I'm all um, in general, my, my main premise on art and everything is that um, aesthetics and you know all, all the design stuff it's generally basically stuff that's already inside us and we're just trying to um kind of discover why we like the things we like because mm. um, you don't have to train someone to find something more appealing than something else like it's it's universal that a good design will look better to everyone it's not something you have to teach them to appreciate um, and that has a lot to do with just internal factors of, you know, like we like certain comforts in like shape hierarchies in different kinds of understandable flows, rhythms, 
all of these different things. Those are just kind of innate animal things because we like to understand our world. We like to feel comforted by our world. Um, so aesthetics is mostly about that. And um, to go further, it's then becomes like uh, about trying to like decipher that stuff already inside you and being like, okay, why do we find this more appealing than that? And you can be like, oh, well, there's a certain hierarchy of like mm -hmm. big, medium, small like shapes that go into it. And that makes us feel a little bit better with it. Um, so if you acknowledge that like a good chunk of aesthetic uh, knowledge is already built into our more animalistic side of our brain, um, then the goal of designing in art a lot of times and making good art is actually to try to be in a state where you're not over uh, focused on what you're doing, but instead you're enacting a little bit of your um, intuition uh, when it comes to making lines and stuff. Because you'll find that if someone's slightly more intuitive, like when they're just not overthinking it, um, they'll tend to make decisions um, that are kind of lining up with what good aesthetics would be, just because they're intuitively getting in touch with that, um, that, that more animal side of this is more appealing than that. Mm -hmm. um, and since it's already in us, then you can get, get it out of it just by being a little bit in the right frame of mind and finding the right uh, way to interact with that. Um, so like, I'm a big proponent of teaching kind of other fringer aspects of like fundamental art, such as like, uh, how fast and like what tempo you draw at. I consider that very important for becoming better and better at designing. You need to find the speed that actually makes you more, um, aesthetically appealing, mm -hmm. find the size, the speed, but also the level of focus because certain people like me, we focus way too much on like everything. And if I try to draw um, with full concentration, uh, I just can't make good intuitive decisions. Everything gets a little forced. It becomes a little stiff and a little awkward. Mm. Um, but uh, for me, like personally, if I just listen to music while I'm drawing, that's enough of a mental like distraction just to distract our little sixth sense, our little little third eye there just in the brain. Bit, just just the yeah, tiniest just, bit. It's just kind of, it's just like squinting it out of focus just a little mm -hmm. bit. Like it's kind of squinting. Um and then I'm not really overthinking every little line I'm making. I'm just kind of, you know, more so like thinking about music and just making shapes and kind of being half there, half not there. Um, but it's all about finding the right level of focus. Just that right, like, you know, Obviously, you can over-focus, like even your eyes, like you can focus further, you can focus closer. You got to kind of find the right distance of focus to where you're like being your most productive. And I think that works for our kind of third eye level of uh, mm. sixth sense focus as well. So a lot of my a lot of my art theories revolve around aspects of that stuff. It sounds also like balance plays a very big role in it as well, because it's like yeah. you can't you can't rely on your intuition and you can't, I mean, you can't, you know, find that right balance between channeling into your intuition and that kind of knowledge part of your brain, unless you know what makes something beautiful to like on an, on an animalistic level. So unless you have that prior knowledge that is learned with your kind of cognitive mind, of what makes something appealing then there is no intuition versus knowledge that comes yeah. afterward 
there there is an aspect of like needing to train your intuition to be slightly more i guess valuable to you like doing mm-hmm. there are certain exercises and drawing things you can do um that will kind of build up a natural kind of inclination to maybe do good design choices and stuff um but even then there's so many factors that go into a good design decision um that it's kind of hard to process everything like am i balancing my tangents am i doing um, am I balancing my level of open space and dense space and all these things? So if you can kind of internalize them more um, and not make them like an active decision, but try to find a way to force them into your subconscious, then mm-hmm. if you're drawing intuitively, you'll find that all that stuff starts to just naturally come out. Like you'll be making all the good decisions by not thinking about them. Mm. You know, I studied a bit of graphic design and whilst I was studying, studying it, I learned a lot about, you know, the hierarchy, like you just mentioned, but just in typography and, you know, like more towards leaning towards the graphic design elements. And, you know, we learned things like why certain typefaces are beautiful and why Comic Sans is a terrible typeface. <laughs> and, you know, things like, you know, the, the space between lines and paragraphs what is what is the most ideal space between lines um things like that and i think the beauty of it is that it does get ingrained in your kind of knowledge to a point where now after having learned that so many times when you see something like a like quote unquote bad graphic design, something that's obviously bad on a to a graphic designer's point of view, it's bad. But you just know that it's bad. But I think the beauty of it is that sometimes actually you can kind of step out from that intuitive mindset to a more conscious level and now start to actually break free from that that rule of what makes it be- makes things beautiful and i think um and now i'm just philosoph a facade oh yeah philosophizing philosophizing my aesthetic but you know how i like doodle a lot and i just i love crude drawings and i love I love using Comic Sans and I love Arial. I love like, I love these like primitive looking stuff. But with a, from the graphic designer in me knows that it's not, it's, you know, it goes against all rules of what makes an elegant, beautiful design. But the, something that's bigger than the graphic designer in me says, okay, but maybe I can try to find the balance between the two, mix in a little bit of good design and then leave out the rest and then try to see if I can get a little bit more funky with it, you know? And I think that's where it begins to be this really beautiful thing where you're using your knowledge on a very creative level. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I think, um, yeah, to like, once you get... I, we tell, obviously I tell students, I'm a, I, te- I teach art and stuff. Like I give them kind of rules 
that are more so just meant to prevent the most common bad habits. So mm. like in graphic design, you'll give them like, hey, don't use that font, don't use that. Um, but I fully kind of like at a certain level, once they understand like the whys and the hows, like you can do it, like you can use anything, you can break any of those previous rules and kind of know how to just exploit every different like emotional reaction to every different thing. Um, to create any kind of amazing results using whatever means possible. Um, so mm. there's an aspect of that. Yeah. Do you think, uh, do you kind of, do you lean towards trying to capture a realistic tone to your art when you're making art? Or do you kind of, is there a kind of underlying vision for the aesthetic that you're going for when you're making your art um i am aiming for a realistic sense of like color and lighting and mm. all those kind of fundamental things because i i find that's like it's just mentally challenging to you know be able to recreate all those things and make them look good um so for a challenge just to say yeah that but when it comes to like actual content uh, usually the goal is more so create something that's just weird and that's you've never seen anything quite like before, but then like confine it and contain all of those good lighting color and everything mm -hmm. in it to make it feel like it's kind of realistic. Um, I mean, personally, the thing I love more than anything in art is to just like make chaos and then use my visual library to just try to pull something out of it, kind of like a Rorschach test, but like on a on like the 10th level Rorschach test where you're just like colors, like values, like everything's thrown in and you're trying to pull stuff out. And then not only that, but then to be able to pull it out and then render it with realistic kind of uh, fundamentals of lighting, form and value and all that. Like that's, that's super fun for me. Is that what you were trying to do in one of those like video series where it's like paintscape, I think? Paint exploration. Yeah, is that is that yeah, what, you're, what you mean? That is exactly what that is. The, the entire premise is just make chaos and then try to find something recognizable in mm. the chaos and then pull it out. And then once you feel like you've pulled it out, like I don't care because this is not about the product; it's about the process. So then you just destroy that and then you find like try to find another thing mm. and then pull that out. And then once you pulled it out, destroy it. Then it's just that. Um, not getting attached to anything it's that vibe of just you know kind of having fun enjoying the like smearing around the, the childlike side of just like the the process of art rather than caring about products mm. oh that's such that's such a valuable uh kind of values to have because i think i don't know maybe ego plays a part in this but so many times uh, you get really kind of attached to your work and mm. it's so easy. I mean, personally, for me, it's so easy to work on something, whether that may be music or video or whatever, and start to think this is, this is good. Like, I don't want to, like, this is, I need to run with this. And it's like, it, it kind of like, it kind of sometimes not always but sometimes you get so caught up in trying to preserve what you've created so far to a point where you kind of lose sight of what's the most important which is to have fun and to 
explore and to and to try new things you know um yeah. i get i i don't know i sometimes you know i sometimes struggle with kind of being too precious with my work um not that i think it's like the greatest or anything but you know i've put a lot of effort into this and you know i i, I don't want to i don't want to let it go uh i think in your case it's actually almost justified that that you technically have documented it by that's true it's cheating. it's cheating it's a little yeah. bit of cheating <laughs> so like people do still get a glimpse of what you are going through so it kind of exists yeah. still it's um, it it's me telling people not to care about you know preserving stuff, but then also pre preserving, preserving stuff. it as well. <laughs> but but for the most part, I used to do those exercises and literally just do them without recording and not save you know any anywhere along the line and just close it and not save it at the end. Um, and I found that very helpful. So I, you know I wanted to share it, and obviously I got to record it to share it. But yeah, it, there is a little bit of that um, that vibe. Although what's really fun about rewatching them is that every you know day or week you kind of become a new person and your your psyche has changed a little bit from who you were um you you watch it and then you see like so many things that you were like oh i didn't notice that like i should have taken things in that direction because your your kind of rorschach test of everything has has shifted in its visual library toward another direction so i kind of i kind of like having them just to be able to look at and be like oh now i see a whole bunch of different things that I never noticed before. Mm. It's kind of like a indirect self-discovery, isn't it? Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Art is so much fun. So is so is music. You know, it's funny because almost every artist I know like secretly wants to be a musician. <laughs> and then <laughs> like you? I think a lot of musicians kind of want to be artists and there's kind of this like back That's and forth. That's actually really true. That's really true. Because I mean, no, I'm I'm not speaking for all musicians and all artists, but it's no, like, go for it for them all. <laughs> it's like almost a lot of the times they always like kind of seep into each other. You know, you see artists do a little bit of like DJing and a little bit of like, <laughs> kind of like for every single it, artist I know plays guitar. Do you play it? Do you are you so are you yeah, musically? Of course, I play guitar. I'm, every artist plays guitar. That's a fact. If you're a professional artist, you play guitar. I mean, I consider myself a musician. And I don't play guitar. Well, if you were like a, a artist, an illustrator working in illustration, you would probably play guitar. Really? Mm hmm. Do you? Oh, I wonder why. <laughs> We just have a fascination with other aspects of creativity that we're not like a part of. So we want to, you know, indulge in them. Are you, I mean, it's like, I don't think it's a bad thing. It's like, it's art, you know, and at the end of the day, it's art. It's about self-expression. And I don't, I don't really personally see the point of trying to, you know, compartmentalize what different arts are i think they all kind of become one thing at the end of the day the purpose is self-expression and inspiring through that self-expression um, and i think that's the ultimate purpose of all artists out there um but just in different mediums you know yeah i agree there's a lot of uh yeah just expression vulnerability all that good stuff i yeah. i think uh one of the reasons 
I like uh, was drawn to your kind of music and stuff. I mean, there's a lot of factors. I think I originally, when I first saw it, I just tweeted something out that was like, check this out. It's like anxiety pop. It's like a new <laughs> genre of just anxiety and pop music. And then, but I, it really stuck in my head. Like just, it was so like catchy and everything, all the songs, like every song I've listened to since then, I'm like, this is super catchy too. And I think in, in my view, like the most important aspect of like, being a creative and making an interesting creative thing is always that aspect of vulnerability and like, you know, letting people experience flaws rather than strengths. I know it goes for writing. Like if you're going to write a character or write a book, you write the story and the characters based on their flaws, not based on like, oh, well, they're really good at this and they're really good at that. No, instead you base it on, well, they're afraid of this and they're insecure about that because that's how you write a good character. Mm. Um, and, you know, it goes the same thing for, you know, a lot of the artists I know, a lot of, you know, just musicians and everyone. It's always like they're just kind of exposing a little bit of more so weaknesses or um, vulnerability. And that's kind of what's really making people connect with it on like a, on a deeper level because they're like, oh, OK, I can relate to a lot of this way more, you know, based on weaknesses and based on strengths. Mm. Um, I don't know if you do, you do you watch a lot of movies? Uh, probably not as much as I want to actually, to be honest. Uh, there's a really, I do have, I have watched quite a few movies. Oh, okay. Cause like one of my favorite, uh, kind of screen screenwriters and everything was, has always been Charlie Kaufman. And I don't know if you know him, if you did like eternal, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. Got it. And like anytime I've, purposely tried to watch any talks he's given on like screenwriting stuff and he's always just harping on like the importance of just being as vulnerable as you can be and you see that in everything he writes where they're always i, th I think he's definitely an overthinker because he overanalyzes everything and you see it come through like in uh i mean that's the entire premise of um adaptation the one where it's literally a movie about him writing it the adaptation about the thing and it's like got this levels of meta commentary but it, it's all about the creative process and just how he overthinks it nonstop the entire mm. way and i was like this is amazing like no one's ever just been this just honest and vulnerable about every aspect of the creative journey and i just find that super kind of interesting now there is i will say there is like i don't recommend movies to people for the most part because there is an added aspect of like he's so kind of honest and so vulnerable and so over analytical that i feel like it's actually like if you don't have the right kind of mind state there are extremely depressing kind of concepts are being talked about like usually anytime love is brought up in his movies it's extremely like depressing you know and kind of like that sense of like acknowledging you know that you know love kind of fades or that it does this thing yeah. you know your passion can fade for a certain person um like anomaly says like one of the most depressing movies i think i've ever seen just because of that like it's all about that that joy of trying to connect and then also that you know realizing that nothing that that feeling just doesn't last like it's so fleeting just like a brutal shedding of light on the truth. Yes. On like on what is going through your mind. And yeah. Not just like the brutality of it. 
Yeah. Every time I watch one of his movies, I'm like, that was amazing. And someone's like, oh, so I should watch it. I'm like, no, don't watch that. Don't watch that. That will just make you a little too, you know, a little too much light on things that are better, better left up to, you know, just, you know, a little blissful ignorance. It can go a long way. I think, I think though, that goes to say that, first of all, showing vulnerable, showing vulnerability doesn't have to be literally you just sitting there and i don't know crying but it <laughs> yeah. could it could really take different forms like like that screenwriter how he makes movies about his presumably overthinking brain and how i am kind of making songs about it in a sometimes humor sometimes very honest sometimes something in between way yeah a, a little absurdist i guess yeah and i think everybody has different ways of showing their vulnerable side it's just that we don't see that much creativity that's surrounding vulnerability um and i think you know i i really do think that there needs to be more you know more enlightenment in that area um is that something that you consider very important in your contents as well then um to an extent because like i kind of mentioned i'm more so obsessed with the like these underlying philosophies of art and like mm. design like i'm trying to work on a design theory book and i want it to be like super like next you know kind of like stuff no one's really talked about too much yeah so like um but in order to accomplish that i'm trying to incorporate a lot of aspects of it that deal with you know just hints of vulnerability but more so um i think the absurdist kind of statement was true because i think it's good to like acknowledge you know certain ways you feel but do it with a you know a lightheartedness a little bit of absurdity where it's not like depressing because i don't think the end goal of overthinking things and being smart needs to be depressing i think there's certainly a curve of where it goes down and it becomes depressing depressing the more stuff you know about everything um, but I do feel like eventually you come back straight up to the top and you're like, okay, you know, it's like, you can just kind of be like, you know, so what, you know, it's, it's fine. It's, I can enjoy everything, even if I understand all these aspects of it. Like at the end of the day, you know, it's a little absurd, but you can still be just, just happy and just enjoy things, you know, find your own little enjoyments. And, um, and it's just the repetition of that over and over again again and again and again again again. that is but that is that is really how it goes and i think that's the beauty of it knowing that there is a curve of things you know if you feel confused as frick today and you know your head is about to explode from all the overthinking you know that there are definitely going to come a time where you feel a lot you know better and can is able to think a bit more straightforward and simply but also there would also come again the time where you start to overthink again and then again and again and again but just that expectation alone can can actually bring a lot of solace to people that it's just an ongoing thing and it's not depressing at all i think it's a it's a hopeful thing almost well, that's good because when I was your age, I found it very like I thought my mid early twenties that kind of range like I just thought that was 
like I was definitely at the like overthinking bottom of the curve where just it was just like going. just keep on. It was just like everything. It was just like, oh, the more I think about everything, like it just never leads to positivity. But luckily, you know, eventually like I started kind of realizing or finding more positive ways to approach everything. Uh, but definitely not in my early mid yeah, it does definitely dark time. sometimes the the lows last a little bit longer it's like is this normal i don't think it's ever lasted this long before but you know just hang on yeah. tight because it's just gonna like dip up and up and up sometimes dip down again and then dip up i again. think you'll you'll probably find i'd be curious to you know long term but i think you'll probably find that everything's kind of way more just always fun and on the up when you're like old, like the older you get oh yeah kind of I can't wait to grow like old, old, like old, old, like mm -hmm. ancient old. I can't wait until I'm like 90 or 80 when <laughs> I can, I can worry about nothing else but my cats and my koi pond yeah. and my garden. Oh, I, yeah. I love, I, for the record, like having a cat in my life, it's like such a joy. I know you don't have one yet, but, and that's no, just going to that make you feel bad saying that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry for saying it, but having a cat is so delightful and wonderful. <laughs> actually you're so you're so not happy with me saying that but actually i think that's a good note to end this talk because <laughs> i want to leave this with a request that you send me a, some pictures of your cat please oh for On sure email please just try not I, to I get want you to remember that. uncontrollably jealous because it might have you might just get spiraled into a you know a rage of jealousy oh. Man, I know it's going to crush me, but also at the same time, I want to see cats. I just want to, I love like, I don't like, like, I love watching, like, I love looking at cat photos and videos, but I also love it when it's like a cat that is, <laughs> this is so sad. It's like, <laughs> when it's a cat that's like, somewhat related to me, like, you know, how I was talking <laughs> to you and if I get if I get a cat picture of your cat, then it's like I'm somewhat related to that cat, and that's there's a <laughs> like there's some sort of connection. Where, like, <laughs> yeah, does that make sense? It's yes, not like some no, odd. It does make sense. It's not like some odd random cat picture that the cat doesn't even know who I am. I mean, your cat probably would never know who I am, but at the same time, I I at least could get the satisfaction that. No, my cat's actually cat. a big fan, huge fan. <laughs> One <laughs> yeah. of your biggest fans. I mean, just like, I know that cat, you know? Like, I know that cat. It's a cat that I know. I've heard of, at least. So mm -hmm. I want you to, I would love you to have that as, like, the last takeaway of this of this talk. Okay. Delightful. Um, can, I, can I make one request as another last takeaway? Okay. Okay. This is this is weird. I'm making it. This is my goal. My current goal in life is to have um, Suli's music be featured on KCRW's Morning Becomes a Collective, Eclectic. I can't even talk. Which is just the coolest LA radio station where they just play like all the. They you would totally fit in so well on it. So I'm gonna. We gotta we gotta rally around and try to find a way to get your music on Morning Becomes Eclectic on KCRW. Morning um, go a go bug and lit and lit is the person who runs it and just find a way. I want to hear it on my radio when I'm driving to like work sometime. 
Okay, I'm gonna look into it. I'm gonna, I'm definitely gonna yes. look into it, but only after you've sent me your cat pictures. Fair enough. Uh, that was great. That was so much fun. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so See, much. Celia, you're so much fun to talk to. I hope we get to like keep talking and you're always out. welcome back. You know my email. We can always keep talking. Um, Is that a good way to get in touch through yes, email? Yes, for sure. Okay. Is that where I should send you cat pictures? Yes, Delightful yes, yes, cat yes. pictures? Yes, yes. High quality. Uh, High quality, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you for coming. It was so much fun. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Yeah. No. Okay. I'm awesome. Gonna, Keep being I'm, successful. Oh, thank you. We're good. We're just getting started. Um, I'm going to get one of those. I'm just, I'm going to get one of those. What? The, what? The, the, I can't point at it. It's like that. I can't point at it because it's your screen. Which, what are you pointing at? A tree? The, 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 the. A rock? The, oh, a YouTube button? Yes. Because <laughs> yes. mine is like on, <laughs> it's kind of hanging sideways. What's wrong with it? It looks I, like it's sad. Yeah, it's just kind of tilted, but I will get one of them. I'm going for the million. That's my goal. I got to get the I'm gold sure you one. Will. Go, everyone, go. Go check out Cidix's YouTube channel. I'm gonna I'm gonna put all the links down um, with everything else. Ooh. So, yep, that's gonna be there. Yeah. But thank you so much for coming for talking. Yeah, bring me back sometime. We I can talk about so much wild and crazy for stuff sure. because, like I said, I'm overthinking anything and everything at all times. All fellow overthinkers are welcome. Great. Um, but thank you. And I'm gonna go. <laughs> Bye. Bye.